This is Missioning, Global Interactions podcast and a space to explore all things mission. Hello, I'm Solari Nielsen and I work at Global Interaction as the Next Gen Specialist. This missioning episode fits within our May Mission Month series and the first theme is vibrant faith communities following Jesus in their own distinctive ways. I've loved chatting with Melanie, who is just the most amazing woman. She's a long-term intercultural worker in Malawi. I was so inspired by her sharing from her experiences of being part of a faith community with Yao women. One of the stories she shares comes from her book, Jump Into the Unknown. You can purchase this from Amazon or Kurong. Melanie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you've just arrived in Queensland to begin your home assignment. You, Tim, and your boys have served in Malawi among the Yao people for 12 years. What's one thing you would tell Melanie 12 years ago? Wow. Um, I think that it was probably a good thing that I didn't know what I was going to be doing. (laughs) And we were all ambitious and excited, um, full of faith. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, that's probably the best place to be, just trust, because yeah. if I had known what I was going in for, I think it might have been, I might not have come. Yeah. But I really see just that trust. Melanie, trust God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, yeah. all your strength. Hold on to him with everything you have yeah. and he will get you through. So, yeah, definitely just trust, just hold on. That is so good. I love it. Holding on and trusting. So looking back over the past year or so, inspire us us as to what key things God has been teaching you. Yeah, God, just in case you didn't know, God is incredible. Mm. He is so good, so faithful. Um, We've we've been through uh, like everywhere around the world an unusual Mm. couple of years and during all of that, I think the only thing that is constant is change. Yeah. So in that, just learning to be gracious, learning to um, hold on to God and stay close to him, that intimacy with God is really what, what doesn't change. If you can hold on to him, he doesn't change, but everything else kind of does. And if you let yourself go down the tangents, <laughs> that's when your world gets, you know, comes down upon you and you get really confused and scared and fear creeps in, but just holding on to God and knowing that he's got this and and it's not a surprise, it's not a mistake, he's got this changing, crazy world fully under control. Um, Yeah, so I think that's really what it's been for us. You know, you're in Malawi. What is it? There's got to be distinctive ways of you connecting with God in this time. What does that look like? Yeah. Well, I think the only real way that I can share Jesus is to let him just overflow out of me. Mm. If I'm not spending time with him, if I'm not just sitting in his word, just soaking that in, um, getting my head in a really good space of just listening to him and not all the other voices that can happen around us, Mm. I, um, I then can... When I'm speaking to a person, I can hear their heart. I can clearly kind of hear what the Lord would want them to be encouraged by. And that has been probably the key, just listening to him, spending time. You can't have an intimate relationship with someone that you don't ever spend time with. Yeah. So it's it's just that time and that intentional time to, to listen and to settle down my life and 
and hear his voice. So, yeah, just the simple back to basic stuff. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And so I've got young kids as well too. Um, Well, yours are, what, 15 and 17 now. But I can't imagine what it's like living in a different country. And do you have any parenting tips that you can share from your experiences adapting to life in Malawi? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I love I love the um the coming back here and seeing what children have mm-hmm. and I, I I'm not sure if my children should be exposed to such things because it's just we we go back to basics. We are very raw in mm-hmm. Malawi. Um food is good. We we like to have food. Um we like to stay well. I guess we want to feel safe. So those things are key. The rest are added extra. And I'm not sure if everyone would agree with me there, but I mean, our children need to know they're safe, they're loved, and they don't care what clothes they're wearing. They don't care particularly, um, you know, if they have the best of everything, they just need the security. So Mm -hmm. I don't think parents need to make sure their kids have the best of the best. (laughs) I think they need to have fun with mum and dad, create your own fun, um, make family traditions, be a bit of a crazy, laugh together. Those kind of things are foundationally important. The rest of it, you know, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Yeah. So when you factor in different cultures and languages, there's so much that can be misunderstood. Are there any particular misunderstandings that jump out at you from your time in Malawi? Oh, my goodness. You only want one? Just one story? We'll take more. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's lots. There's lots and lots. I just think of one. Particularly, this isn't really such a big deal, but mm. we I had a friend and she was going to the market and she goes, oh, I'm going to the market. Do you want me to buy you anything? And I said, oh, yeah, great. Can you buy me um, 20 bananas? And this is all in language. And sometimes language faux pas, you know, you can just get it a little bit wrong. So she went down, she looked at me and said, oh, okay, that's okay, fine. And she went down to the market and I heard her like coming back sometime later and she had herself and she had two bicycle taxis with her. I thought, gee, she must have bought a lot from the market. I'm kind of sorry that I asked you to buy my bananas. And she come to me and she goes, okay, I think I've got it all. Look, I'm not really sure. I'm like, what have you got? Turns out she thought I wanted 20 bunches of bananas. <gasps> so she, <laughs> that's like thousands that's thousands of bananas. And she had put her money in and got extra money and everything to buy me 20 bunches, like big bunches of bananas. Um, yes, I got that wrong. We had a lot of bananas to share at the end of that. The whole village shared the bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know... They kind of think Azungu's Westerners are crazy. So she just took it in a stride and went, oh, that's a lot of bananas. Okay, I'll buy you that. (laughs) (laughs) How many things can you make with bananas? (laughs) That's awesome. So did you share it with the community? What did you end up doing? Oh, yeah. Anyone who was in within arm's distance got a banana and then people, you know, it's not hard to find a crowd in Malawi. That's very easy. So we just shared the love and everyone got bananas. It was a good day. Oh, that's awesome. That was a good day. So, Melanie, I have absolutely loved reading your book, Jump, over the past week. It's been amazing. Uh, What an incredible journey you've been on. It's got so many stories of vibrant faith communities and your experiences. Can you share with us one of those stories today? 
Thank you. Great. Yes, I would love to share with you. Um, you know, I've said it before, God is incredible. Mm. And just when he, when he does stuff, everybody wins. <laughs> you know, it's always one of those win-win situations, a bit cheesy, but it is. And God does that. He turns up and he just turns everybody's life, life around. Yeah. And being part of that has been yeah, really yeah. encouraging. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the story today I was going to bring up has been, it's a long-term story. It's like a story that kind of started 12 years ago mm. and it's, it's, continu- it's continuing. Um, in my journey with coming to Malawi and getting to know people, I had to really change kind of who I was in a way, my behaviours. I had to change my behaviours to become relatable yeah. to the community around me. Yeah. Um, an Aussie girl, you know, liberated, outspoken, <laughs> wasn't well received in a Yao community. (laughs) So learning to humble my heart, quieten my mouth, be quiet, listen, don't speak up so much and just win favour of the community. That was a long road for me. Um, And it's it's an animistic Islamic community. So you have to, you know, be very respectful. Mm. And um, for Tim and I particularly, that was quite hard. I learned though that if I did play the game, so to speak. Yeah. I I was um, given permission to get to know some of the women yeah. in the community. And that was the kind of the start of this whole story. Um, one lady in particular, I met her early on and she's one of these ladies who just is excited about life. Yeah. She was a, be- a beautiful woman and I got to know her and I heard a bit of her backstory Lots of hurt, lots of like multiple husbands, Mm -hmm. um, people, just betrayal. People have left her in her life and left her to fend for herself and she's got children and she was struggling and she, she used to, we just met and talked and, you know, I would be part of her life. So I'd visit her regularly. If there was a funeral, we'd attend it together. If there was some celebration, I'd go. Um, And our, our conversations were just lighthearted to start with. But when you spend time with people, your conversations get deeper. And she started to ask me questions about God and we would um, discuss the spirit world and we would pray together about different issues and got to the point where I was able to really tell her that you can have yeah. Jesus as part of your life. Wow. And she was, she was excited by then because that is something that she has never, never known. Yeah. And she was taught through her upbringing and her different religious background that she couldn't really have an intimacy with God. She had to just hope for the best, that she was good enough, that she could, you know, obey the rules enough and follow those guidelines and the law may may save her. But my my story of Jesus was that that you're actually never going to be good enough and none of us will, but that Jesus has already paid that price for us. And it was a really good story for her. Her life... Her, the weight, the weight got off, lifted off her shoulders, yeah. and that was that was a very exciting day for us. Brilliant, yeah, love it, absolutely love it. And so you you met her, and then there was other women that you met. Were they part of a group already? Um, no, no. So when you come into a Yao community, you will see a lot of men. Men are up front; the women are behind the scenes. Yeah. So it took it took me eighteen months. <gasps> I mean, I, I would see women, yeah. but I, to actually be invited into their homes and into their lives, that was 18 months of just being watched and being assessed and, and my behaviour and how Tim and I interacted 
before I was really given permission to enter into the community. Yeah. It was a, yeah. So not really days, more years. Mm. And then after I like would spend time with one lady, I would meet another lady, maybe at the market through a friend, something else. Yeah. And she would ask me to her house. What I learnt in the Yao communities, women are oppressed. They carry a heavy burden just of life. They have to, you know, farm, cart water, um, make food, um, firewood has to be cut from the hills. Their life is very difficult. Yeah. They're very busy. Yeah. Then, then um, not alone, let alone children and bearing children and raising children, the sisterhood is very strong oh. and that is... That is something that I have loved about yeah. being a Malawi. Yeah. 18 months to win favour, but then becoming part of that community, I realised how much these women kind of rely on each other. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, and we'll get through this together. Yeah. Women hang out with their sisters and their mothers and their cousins and their relatives, not particularly women from other families, yeah. unless, unless you're in the neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah. So you would, you, would, you would connect with your neighbours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I could I could connect with the women living around me, and then, yeah, this one would connect with that one, or I would say let's meet and pray together, and we would. So two of us would become three of us, and then three of us became four of us, yeah. and it, it's grown from then. Over the years, I think we've now had hundreds of women come through, yeah. um, and being part of our group, which is just delightful. Yeah. So, so that was the beginning of the, the, the women's faith community group. Is that what you're saying? So you started, like, were they all women of faith or they just were part of a sisterhood? Yeah, well, generally just women who knew women or because we, we um, I had my own children, mm -hmm. so my children would make friends. So it could be the friends of my children yeah. and their mother. And I would kind of think, well, if my kids are playing with your kids, maybe I should just come and chat to you a little bit and get to know you so you know who I am yeah. and I know who you are yeah. in case something happens. Um, so we really just... Yeah, I don't know. How does networking happen? It just happens. <laughs> it just you happens. kind of get to yeah. know know this one and that one. And so, yeah, this group came together yeah. and most of them, I mean, the core, few of us had a stronger faith yeah. because we journeyed and discipled. But the newer ones on the, on the outs, like the um, fringe of the group, little by little would come in and then start asking more questions and then start being more open about their own stories. So it, it, it's like a cycle, yeah. you know, the longer people were there, the more comfortable they felt and then would become part of the group. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, just, and then yeah. You, you started teaching Bible stories to their children. Is that how, how did that transpire? Yeah. So going back earlier, so this one lady who came to faith and we were meeting together, we were discussing our children and just how important it was that our children know God's word. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying, you know, in Australia we'd have like a group or something my kids could go to, but yeah. here we didn't have anything and I wanted my children to know God's word from, yeah. you know, early on. She was expressing the same yeah. and was willing to, to find a new normal for that. So the kids, her children came in and my children, and we just started teaching, you know, creation, Adam and Eve, just little stories, yeah. cute little songs, made it fun. They're only little. My, my kids were two and four back then. <laughs> So lots of lots of fun little cute things and just to make it interesting. Yeah. And we did that. We did that once a week and then another lady would another friend of mine would say, "Hey, can I send my kids?" "Yeah, sure, let them come." And we'd all take turns at teaching. Um 
And the group just grew. Yeah. Another lady would find out, can I send my kids and then someone else? So this little group of four children, over the years now, we have 500 children (laughs) registered to come. (laughs) So clearly we were scratching an itch. And I mean, not only that, the lady who I started with, this is 10, 12 years on, she has moved house and so she doesn't live near me anymore. So where she lives in the community, she runs her own group, a separate one now. There's about 300 kids who go to that and she has other ladies helping her. And since then, we've also started, there's other village groups and I mean, communities never stay put, people move. So as other people have moved out into the the villages or relatives of somebody and they've had access and and they've had um, faith communities out there, then they've started teaching God's word to their children. And it's just grown. It's just grown. And so what transpired from there? Um, So we had been together for a long time and we did all sorts of activities. You know, we'd go and help in the hospital and, and visit people. We'd pray over people. We'd help out at funerals. We'd... Um, you know, if a lady was having a baby, we'd make sure we'd go and visit and help her with her other children. And then we we really just got to the point where what are we going to do? This is a group, this is an unusual group mm. in the village. You know, they're reliable, they're diligent, This we trust each other. Yep. I'm, in, I'm in the group, but I'm not really the head of the group. Yep. We're, we're in this together. Women tend to do that better. I think we share better than guys. <laughs> We, we, you know, I don't particularly have to be the leader. I'm, I'm good at this part of it, but she's good at that part. And so we share the, the ownership of it. And so we just started to think, well, what can we do? Can we do more um, than what we're already doing? And I mean, financially, a lot of these women are struggling. They don't have a lot of money. They're subsistence farmers that have a little business, maybe selling tomatoes or selling um, you know, produce that they've grown, yep. but not a lot of money. Yep. So we just said, well, Lord, if there's something that could happen in our community that we could do that would be um, income orientated, yep. show us. Yep. Yeah. So we, we prayed for a year or so, actually, yep. and started doing homework and asking the Lord just to reveal to us what it is mm-hmm. that would work, yep. um, that would be sustainable, that would be organic to the community. And one thing that stood out, which we all had a good laugh about, is that these ladies are incredible mothers and they're very good at minding small children. (laughs) (laughs) So that was easy to figure out. And then kind of looking into, well, could our community do with daycare? Um, You know, with God, timing is often really important. So with the community where we're living, We had a national survey in Malawi, a census, Mm -hmm. and it came back that where we are living amongst the Yao community is the worst in the country. Our statistics are are terrible. You know, one in five children die in childbirth. We have, um, Mm. you know, malnutrition. We have HIV AIDS statistics that are really high. We have a lot of of death. I think the average lifespan for a Yao man or woman is around 40 years. So we have a lot of suffering and a lot of death. 
Um, and so we, we prayed about it. We opened this door and just asked around, would yeah. this be something people would be interested in? And with the census happening, a lot of NGOs have come into our community, yeah. which means they bring, they bring money. We have wealthier people that we weren't there before who have children who would like those children looked after. So it's a bit of a cash crop mentality that we opened something that would suit wealthier Malawians and as if we serve them in a way that you know meets their needs then we generate income they're happy to pay they're happy to send their children to a place where their children are loved where their children feel safe they have fun they belong they learn um and it's just gone from there wow the group it's so yeah the the group itself owned this initiative this is their business Mm -hmm. I'm on the committee I'm on the committee but I'm certainly not one of the ones who um, handle all the money. I'm not particularly the one who liaises with the parents. I just give guidance here and there. And I I am a teacher, so I helped, you know, give ideas of what to do when you are in teaching with kids. We've we've done a lot of um, research with this stuff and just to use innovations, different ideas of yeah. what would work, what, what wouldn't work. And you learn these things the hard way. You get it wrong. And as a group, we're, we're quick to say sorry. Yeah. We're quick to, to admit I got that wrong. Yeah. And that, I think, that's the Jesus factor that's making this work. Yeah. Because normally people would be lying, cheating, stealing from each other, and these kind of initiatives don't work because yeah. of that. It's all, he- it's all head knowledge. Yeah. But because we have such a foundation yeah. of heart knowledge, such a foundation of this is who we are in Christ, that bond allows us to trust each other. That bond allows allows these women to step up and even though like on the social scale they're not highly ranked, they're they're walking around the community respected because of those qualities that people are seeing, the, the faithfulness, the reliability, the diligence, yeah. that's what's coming out. And the community is seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very attractive. That sounds beautiful. And it sounds like they're all sharing the load, as you were saying. So it's not just one person uh, doing it all. No, no. That actually comes from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> this whole, you know, the body of Christ. And I think that's the model that we recognize in this group, we've got different giftings. And so the lady who's very, happens to be very good at sharp at math, she handles the money and we have, you know, someone else who is a bit more savvy, she'll be teaching the children and someone else is organizing the roster and the cleaning and the different aspects of the the whole org, um, the whole, you know, machine that's coming together. But it's lovely because no one's more important than the other one. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you run the daycare. Are you still meeting together? How are you guys growing together still through this time? Yeah, that's a that's a good thing. We the ladies we all um admit that without God this wouldn't work. Mm. This is a miracle. This is yep. God pulling a pulling the impossible together. So um every morning we would meet together and discuss things and pray through things that would might potentially be a problem. Yeah. The ladies also visit each other. If there's somebody who's not doing well, they'll make sure that they'll check out and contact to make sure people are all right. Yep. We study God's word every Wednesday. Yeah. So on a Wednesday Bible study group, 
well, the equivalent of a Bible study group. We don't really call it that there. Mm-hmm. And just come together and, yeah, read, read a passage of God's word. How can we apply it? And this is what I love. Mm-hmm. Because it's first-generation first believers, if God's word says it, if it says to, you know, um, forgive people, then right there and then we forgive we sit down, we stop, and we ask the Lord who we need to forgive, and we forgive those people. Yeah. It's not like you go and attend a study, you find out information, and then you go home and apply it, which yeah. they kind of do, but the application happens right there yeah. in the group at that time. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> Practical outworkings of God's Word straight away. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. So. How have you, has your faith grown and developed and how are you following Jesus differently in your own distinctive way in that Malawi culture? Yeah. Look, God is so generous in how he does that. You come over with your Western worldview, you come mm. over with mm. these ideals. And I mean, my own distinctive way of following Jesus was developed in an Australian Western culture. Yeah. Coming, coming to Malawi has totally changed my worldview, like how I see the world, how it operates. And I talk about God and his goodness because you recognize we are really not in control of anything. Yeah, We like to think here, and particularly in Australia, we are in control. (laughs) And it's just a facade. We really aren't. We, We try to put security measures and backup plans and when that's removed, we tend to fall to pieces. Yeah, yeah. Where I've watched, I've watched these people of faith learn to, to just live in, in faith, live that God has them yeah. and that they don't need to worry because God has them. And that's with their health, that's with their children, that's yeah. with their family. And they, the level of trust for me has been a really good growing um, life lesson, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Just trust, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. And I think that that's kind of come through right from the start of our conversation today, that sense of trust um, and God just weaving and helping and uh, helping you to trust him through some, you know, difficult times but also some really great times as well too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a blessing that we don't know the future. Yeah. Because we, we try and orchestrate things so that we're, our future's secure and that we'll be um, okay in 10, 20 years' time. Yeah. We really have no control over that, though. Yeah. And I think the Yao have this wonderful way of seeing the world that they take every day as it comes. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that mentality of, well, let's enjoy now. Let's receive what God has for us right now yeah. rather than const- constantly projecting to the future and, and speculating what could or couldn't happen. Melly, sh- could you share with us in this vibrant faith community how they share Jesus in their or they live out Jesus in their own distinctive ways? Yeah, that, that has been a real honour to be part of this community has been thriving as a result of just what God is doing, the burdens that get lifted, the healing that happens in people's hearts, the wounds that people have been carrying for years because of something that's happened in their family, like abuse or um, neglect. These women, you know, sharing that and saying, this has happened to me, and then giving those hurts to God has been revolutionising in how in how God has worked in their hearts, yep. just taken out that that oh, the pain, the pain that people live. So yep. that's been a very personal 
personal journey and I've shared that with a lot of these ladies. Yeah. The other the other way is once you you know, you heard the expression hurt people hurt people. Well, healed people tend to bring life and light to those around them. Yeah. And yeah. this is what Jesus does when you've been through something and you found healing and you found joy, yeah. then they have an answer to give their friends. Yeah. And that's been lovely. That's what's brought a lot of people to the group that we've heard that when you pray, God answers. We've yeah. heard that, you know, when we, we go to the witch doctor, because we, we deal with the spirit world, we're afraid of what could happen. Yeah. And yet the Lord, God has answers to these questions. He can come in and say, well, look, let's pray over your home. Let's pray over your children. Yeah. And instead of screaming through the night with fear of witches or yeah. curses, you know, we've got a peaceful home now yeah. because God's turned up. So it does It does look different to here. Yeah. Distinctive ways in terms of, well, what's relevant in a Yao community? The spirit realm is very alive and well. Yeah. It manifests, Manifestations of evil are right there in front of you. Yeah. But then, I mean, look at the Bible. Jesus doesn't run away from that. He no. turns up and he... Yeah. He heals, he heals the sick, he, he um, frees those who are burdened and he brings that life and light that, you know, that's why we're all here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's quite uh, interesting in terms of the spirit world and, and what you're having to encounter as well too as you journey with them. Yes. Well, that was a funny thing. You know, we, we went to college in Australia and nobody mentioned that. But when we... <laughs> When we started digging, we realized that the spirit world is the core of the community. Yeah. And praise the Lord, because the Bible is full of spiritual stories, yeah. full, full of these encounters, full of how do you deal with um, the spirit world. Yeah. And so we've just used, we generally just go one-on-one, confession, yeah. repentance, healing, pray protection, ask the Lord to come in. And he does. Yeah. He does often. Yeah. The funny thing is... Oh, when you see God do the amazing, we get more surprised than what the local people do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that because that, that's the world that they're living in really, isn't it? Uh, are there any times where you've been studying uh, the Word of God and they, you're studying a particular story in the Bible and they've, you've come at it at a particular angle and they've come at it at a completely different angle? Yes. I just thought of one. It's in... It's in it's in Jump. It's in my book. I wrote that one down because I was fascinated by it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. The Prodigal Son. The Prodigal yep. Son. Mm. We all know that story. And I went to teach it in this group and I'd read it through. And, and I kind of see that story as teaching about repentance, forgiveness, God's um, generosity to yep. us, even though we get lost. Yep. And they interpreted the story so differently, <laughs> so differently. The prodigal son, when he left, nobody blamed him for taking all of his inheritance straight away. That's yeah. Everyone would do that. That's seen as very normal. Yeah. Then when he went away and he lived it up, that wasn't particularly frowned upon, although some were saying he was a bit irresponsible. Yeah. The, reason, the reason that he um, fell to hardship was because he, no one looked after him. A famine hit. And nobody looked after him. He couldn't find anyone to help him. And in a Yao community, you know, hospitality is huge yeah. and nobody cared for him. He was in a foreign country and he was made vulnerable because of that. Yeah. Him, him and the pig pen, I was dumbfounded. This story just changed. Because we're in an Islamic and a mystic community, yeah. 
we don't have we don't have pigs. Yeah. No one has pigs. Yeah. And so the pigs were pigs were seen as symbolic of an evil spirit tormenting the sun. So they were tormented by, say, the spirit of jealousy and the spirit of greed. They were the figurative, like in a dream yeah. perhaps, yeah. tormenting him through the, the pig's kind of analogy. Mm. And so then when he repented and he got free of those tormenting spirits and decided to go back to his father or go back to God, yeah. he got free of those. Yeah. He came back to God um, and, and the father accepted him. Yep. One part they really brought out was that the reason he fell into hardship as well was because he was cursed. Somebody must have been jealous of his wealth. Yep. So the famine came and nobody helped him, but he had some enemy somewhere who'd yep. put a curse on him. Yep. And that's why a lot of bad things happen. Yep. And you find you find that out in the end of the story when the brother doesn't want to come in to the back in back into the party with yep. the holding because he's jealous and that was like the aha moment oh he must have been the one who did the curse ah. and so then the conversation afterwards within the group is saying that these women sorry these women were saying to me he will now probably be tormented by those pigs because he's holding bitterness in his heart and he's obviously gone and dealt with the spirit world and so the cost and price he'll pay will be torment and lack of sleep and he won't. The older brother will be suffering now. Wow. What a completely different take on, <laughs> on, on the prodigal son. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, I think this is why every tongue, tribe and nation needs to have access to God's word because then they can see it through their worldview. Yeah. I... I don't think the Yao's women, the Yao women interpreted this wrongly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they interpreted it well. I think they have a good grip of what's happening in our community. Yeah, and maybe our Western worldview doesn't capture it all. Yeah. maybe we need we need this interaction. Wow, that was a great story. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that, Melanie. It's been such a wonderful time chatting to you, hearing your stories. Uh, and your experiences. It's just been such a rich, rich experience today. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. Well, thank you. I love to talk about this stuff. It's life-giving, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. encouraging. And I, I, my prayer is that not just you, but everyone who's listening feels a closer to Jesus at the end, feels yeah. a hunger and an excitement about the faith that um, God gives us. Yeah, absolutely. You're inspiring. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. God bless. You too. What an amazing story of God at work. Melanie and Tim are in Queensland at the moment until June 2021. So if you're in Queensland too, why not connect with them to hear more stories? If you want to learn more about Global Interactions Ministry in Malawi or anything we've discussed today, then please get in touch. We would love to journey with you. Head to www.globalinteraction.org.au forward slash podcast for resource links and more information. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Missioning and we can't wait to share another story with you next time.